Hey y'all, what is, oh, hang on. Uh, trying to go live here. Maybe we're having, a, we're not having an issue anymore. All right, all right. What is going on? What is going on? It's your girl, Melba Pearson, Melba for Miami, Melba for Justice, also known as the resident legal diva. And it is time for another Mondays with Melba. Y'all, we got an action-packed episode today because we are about to dive into our Florida Attorney General candidate, Aramis Ayala. But before I get to her, I have two quick updates that I wanna share. First off, uh, I know many of you were following my Women's History Month series in March that featured a number of Black female judges that were running for re-election in Miami-Dade County. Well, I am thrilled to announce that each of those ladies have retained their seats because nobody opposed them. So they ran, ended up being unopposed, which means they get to serve their terms for another six years. So congratulations to those sisters. That is amazing news, but that doesn't mean your job as voters are done, right? Because we got a whole bunch more other stuff coming up. So let's make sure to stay engaged on that. Secondly, y'all have heard me talk repeatedly about the story of Thomas Raynard James, who was an African-American man uh, that was wrongfully incarcerated for over 30 years as a result of a crime that happened here in Miami-Dade County that he did not commit. Well, finally, justice was served. He has been released. The charges against him were dropped. Basically, his, his case is wiped off the books, and now he is free to start his life all over again. So we're very, very thrilled at this result. Uh, this was justice delayed for way too long, meaning that justice was denied to him for 30 years. But now he is out, he is with his family, and we're just so thrilled for what he's going to do next. So Thomas Raynard James, you know, blessings upon you, wishing you all the best in this new journey, and we're just so thrilled that you're home. So had to share all of that. Now, to the main event. Aramis Ayala, sis, welcome to Mondays with Melba, and thank you so much for coming on and hanging out with me this afternoon. Thank you, Melba. It is always a pleasure to see you. I'm so proud of what you're doing, um, just continuing to grind. I'm serious. I, I, I mean, you went from a person I admired, I looked up to, to someone I still look up to, but you're a friend. I, I, I consider you a colleague, a friend, and just you're an amazing human being. So thanks for your continued work. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You're, you're amazing. Thank you. And I mean, I know that you have been a rock in my life for so many years. Um, it's just starting from ACLU and us kind of like riding out together, trying to get criminal justice reform done in this state. Right. So there was that. And, you know, I know you'll get into your history a little bit, but just on a personal level, how you were there for me when I ran and for just from even trying to figure out, do I even want to do this? Right. Do I want this smoke? Let's start with that. I, <laughs> I mean, you the real advice and you really prepared me for what was ahead even though there was so much more to be revealed once i got into it but just having that advice really meant so much to me so i want to thank you publicly for helping me for being a friend and, and for being there for me so thank you for likewise, that likewise so let's talk about it so first of all introduce yourself to folks who may not know you and tell a little bit about your background and how you've gotten to this point and basically why you want to be the next attorney general for the state of Florida. Awesome. Well, thank you, Melba. Again, my name is Aramis Ayala. I am the former state attorney in Orlando, um, where I served Orange and Osceola counties from 2017 to uh, 2021. 
I ran for office and had no idea because I wasn't running on that particular platform that there had never been a black woman, actually never been an African-American ever to serve as state attorney in the state of Florida. And um, we broke that ceiling when my campaign um, was successful in 2016 and we won. But um, who am I? I, I'm a mom. I'm just a regular person. I'm a wife to an amazing man. I um, am a daughter to uh, union workers, right? Like my parents, uh, my dad was U um, UAW. He worked for General Motors my almost my entire life. My mom worked for Michigan Bell, Ameritech, AT&T, what it ended up. Um, you know, I just a kid. I grew up in Saginaw, Michigan. So I understood the idea of um, high crime, victimization and also um, the issues in the system, but I also understood hard work. You know, I, I'm a person, I worked at McDonald's, right? I, I worked at uh, restaurants and grinded through college. I um, have always been a person who cared about people. I um, am still very close to even elementary school teachers who I understand, I love what they do and I appreciate the value. Um, so I would say I'm just, I'm just me. I'm a regular person who tries to um, see justice, who tries to be a voice for the voiceless and that even even started with my career. You know, I'm a graduate of the University of Michigan. I got my bachelor's in political science, a, a Juris Doctorate from the University of Detroit, and I also received a master's from the University of Central Florida. Um, I have practiced as an assistant state attorney and an assistant public defender on both sides. I am a trial lawyer. Um, I have tried every type case from a suspended license to a homicide. I have run my own criminal practice. I have been a legal analyst, especially during the Trayvon Martin um, when he was killed that period of time. I, I am a college professor. I have been a law school professor professor, adjunct. I have just been on the grind um, trying to do the work. You know, I can give you all the labels of leadership. I'm past president of multiple bar associations. I've had leaderships, you know, positions um, as an ex-official Florida Bar uh, Board of Governors member with the National Bar Association. But my real love is just for people. I love hearing people. I love fighting for people. And I truly just love justice. So um, how I got here, I, um, my, my time as state attorney, I, I, um, I looked at the work and it was so important to not abandon the momentum. You know, people still need justice. People are still dying. People are still being victimized. And unfortunately, crime victims are often used as a platform, but no one actually invests in them and cares about real crime victims. And I'm ready to stand up and do that and build upon the work and the experience. I've taken on the status quo. I know what it's like to be attacked by um, those who um, enjoy the benefits that they receive of injustice to the um, average people. So all that to say, I am ready for this opportunity. I'm ready to um, be a voice for the people and step out of my comfort zone and continue the work that has started. Awesome. Thank you for that. So if you could give everyone a little bit of an explainer, because I think people take a lot of these roles for granted and they're like, oh, attorney general, like people were like, oh, Melba, you're running for Miami-Dade attorney general. I'm like, Actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, but folks don't know. So if you could explain what the attorney general for the state of Florida does, what are some things that impact people's everyday lives? Well, let's, let's be clear, Melba. 
When it comes to people not knowing what the attorney general does, it's because the attorney generals, many of them, especially the one we have now, the one we had before her, you know, the history of the attorney generals in this state, unfortunately, has not been what its true responsibilities and duties are. They have not fulfilled them. The attorney general is the people's lawyer, meaning that you have a responsibility to represent the ideas, the visions, and interpret the law and the Constitution in a way that benefits the people of the state of Florida. The attorney general has a responsibility to um, look to see what is unconstitutional. This past legislation, which was one of the th this past legislative session, which was one of the um, things that propelled me into this race, the attorney general should not have been quiet. The attorney general should have been standing up and being outspoken about the unconstitutionally vague and overbroad laws that we saw being passed. The attorney general should have written an advisory opinion. When you saw uh, Florida's governor asked the Supreme Court to issue an advisory opinion about the unjust and very problematic maps he was attempting to pass. He asked them to do it. It should have been the attorney general who drafted the advisory opinion. It is her responsibility to set a legislative agenda. You know, we're dealing with a, a housing crisis. You know, she can set policies. She can set limits. She can establish how we're going to stop all of the price gouging, all of the issues with regard to the insurance premiums, when we have um, impacts on our criminal justice system, setting policies, when we have issues with our environment, suing those who violate um, any of our environmental laws, both federally as well as um, statewide. You know, it's up to the attorney general to seek injunctions. The job is limitless when it comes to representing the people, because if you have an attorney, you expect that person to be an advocate. The attorney general is not a neutral party. The attorney general is an advocate and an attorney for the people. Well, what I'm hearing is that the attorney general could, for instance, sue Big Sugar for polluting various waterways and creating situations where people can't go to the beach, right? Especially people with less means who, you know, obviously Palm Beach folks, right? Their beaches are going to be a little bit different than some other areas, especially if there isn't a voice there, right? So that sounds like one thing that an attorney general can do as well as maybe fight for more compensation for survivors of crime. I mean, is that something? Absolutely. The the crime, the victimization, um, there's a crime victims fund that is established um, and the state has it. So every time a person um, who's a victim of, in one of the circuits, like when I was the state attorney in Orange County and wherever across the state, there is a pot of funds that goes to crime victims for relocation, any type of damages and expenses that a person has to incur. The issue that we have failed um, in this state is that we limit that funds to those who don't have a felony conviction. And that policy is set by the attorney general, which means that if a person has been arrested, even on a suspended license as a habitual traffic offender and has a felony, that person, even if they had been a, a, a victim of a robbery, their home, you know, or they have been shot and they're paralyzed and they have medical bills. If the person, um, you know, they were killed and their family is looking for compensation for the funeral or other expenses, they won't get it because of that. Now, we haven't taken a stand um, on behalf of victims because um, we fail victims miserably. I mean, think about the most recent constitutional amendment that was supposed to be for victims. What was the appropriation for that, Malcolm? If there's no appropriation for it, that tells you um, how much we care about our crime victims other than just using it as a tool for our political agenda to say that we care about victims. What you care about, you fund. 
that part. I think it was Joe, uh, President Joe Biden said it when he was senator, show me your budget and I'll tell you what your priorities are. Say it, say it, and that's it. So we can't continue to say that we are we're, we care about crime victims. We care about some crime victims. And that's where you have the issues um, with regard to equal protection. All victims are entitled to you know, due process of law. All, all victims are entitled to their day in court. But if they look a certain way, they have a certain background, they don't fit, fit a certain mold, then they are not entitled to the same level of justice and protections that our constitution gives us. So this is about establishing um, you know, equal protection. This is about protecting our constitutional rights. And even though people say, oh yeah, you know, we're supposed to establish law and order, this is truly about citing law and establishing order for the benefit of the people. Agreed, because I will say also being a former prosecutor as well, how many times you've had you know, survivors of crime, horrible mm. things happen and you can't help them get that money because of the fact that they had some prior contact with the criminal justice system. And what does that mean for our communities, right? Because now here's somebody who can't relocate. So then they're in that same situation. And so they may end up handling an issue street style, as yes. opposed to if they had those funds and could get out of that community. Now that's crime prevention from the standpoint of you don't have to worry about retaliation or, you know, the, uh, the defendant's family running into the survivor's family. And that becomes a whole thing, you know, so people are not seeing this as crime prevention and community safety. They're just seeing it as targeting a certain group of people who they don't think are worthy of getting that 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 assistance, even though they've been victimized. Absolutely, because we, we have this image of a victim when we talk about crime victims. But the truth is, all of the studies and data shows that the, the, the most prevalent person who is most likely to be a crime victim are black and brown men between the ages of 18 and 26. So let's be very clear. If we care about victims and we're not upholding them in the conversation about victims, then we are, we are, we're, we're misleading ourselves, which is why for me, one of the big issues was ensuring that every single time we have a conversation about criminal justice reform, we reform the vision and the ideas of crime victims, because that is we're not doing a good job. We only care about some victims and, and, and we cannot include, um, we cannot say that we're seeking reform if we don't include crime victims. Must be a part of the conversation. For sure. So you know, I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, that, that was one of the reasons I, I launched my entire campaign based upon domestic violence. I built a, a huge platform on domestic violence to lessen the call time that we had to return the calls after they had been crime victims, because we know that period of time from the arrest of the abuser to the time that you know he's taken a court, that time is critical on whether or not she's able to um, escape that abusive relationship. We were able to reduce the time, increase our convictions, and protect more people who were um, in danger of intimate partner violence. I, I um, worked very closely with our local domestic violence shelter and so very proud for the work. As a matter of fact, you know, some of the work that we did was able to rebuild some of their relationships to increase their funding um, and just establish a more uh, um, better environment where when a woman is escaping um, that 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 abusive place, which is the most dangerous time for a domestic violence victim, when she is, she doesn't have to worry about her dog. Right. Where's the dog going to be? And certainly the comfort of her dear children. Um, those things matter. So that's just some of the work that we were able to do um, in addition to cr uh, criminal justice reform, because sadly, 
the conversation is is consistently um, incomplete and inaccurate about criminal justice reform. Criminal justice reform is not about being light on crime. It is about reducing recidivism and doing what we need to do to truly establish public safety, because um, that has to be on the agenda of anyone who is interested in um, statewide or even local uh, representation. Yeah, absolutely. Because when we get into these discussions about bail reform and all of this, it's always, well, what about the survivors and what do they need and all of that? And as well as it should be, but it's all about making sure we're being holistic to make sure we're doing right by the person accused of the crime. And maybe they may take a plea or they may go to trial and be found guilty, whatever. But we have to make sure that what we're doing is just to them, as well as making sure what we're doing for the survivor is just as well. We can't just give balance to one side of the equation and not the other. Well, that's the issue. I remember, you know, serving as both an assistant public defender and an assistant state attorney. And within a year's time, I saw the same person, a, a, a crime victim and also charged with crime. So it's this revolving door, today's defendant, tomorrow's victim today. So it's not as if we are really like we only can choose one side. We, as you said, have to do it holistically. So we are healing communities. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about what your top three priorities are going to be. You know, once you become Florida's attorney general, what's the plan? So when I think about priorities right now, I I never thought that I would genuinely be running a campaign on um, protecting our democracy in 2022. But unfortunately, our democracy has been under attack. So my priorities are certainly protect to protect our democracy, um, to establish a level of civility at the high, you know, the higher levels of uh, state government. Um, We've got to establish a culture that cares about people, that cares about humanity, that cares about consistent justice, no matter what zip code you live in, no matter what race you are, what gender, that we all want to see the same level of justice for everyone. So establishing that as a culture, but substance wise and and, and particular areas, public safety is, is a huge priority for me. And that includes so many things because I am waiting on someone to introduce me to any person who does not desire to be safe. Right. We have we say this like only some people want to be safe. Well, Everybody wants to be safe, you know, whether it's safe from crime or safe from being illegally searched, whether it's safe on your job or whether it's safe in your home. Like it doesn't matter where you we, we all want to be safe. So doing the work that it takes um, to establish more more um, increased public safety, I think it's also important for us to um, understand this attack on civil rights and how we have seen a complete decimation of the civil rights unit in the attorney general's office. So we cannot um, deny that. I also think that it's important for us to address the affordable housing, as well as I said, I mentioned earlier, the insurance, the insurance premiums. Those are high, high, high issues for me. And we can't have this conversation without addressing our environment. Mm-hmm. What sorts of actions can you take as attorney general to address each of those issues? So uh, is that in terms of executive orders? Is it in terms of suggesting legislation? Like what what sorts of tools would you utilize to be able to accomplish those goals? Well, so first, first of all, it's important to know that we have an investigative unit because part of that unit is determining to all the information versus just kind of speculating on what's going on. So um, it, ordering an investigations to see where we are with regard to our current legislation. Because for me, that's one of the first things I want to do is take inventory of what's going on in that office. Like what what are we supporting that doesn't represent 
the constitutional rights of the people. So starting there, um, seeking injunctions, right? Like, so it's important that if we're seeing a um, poor representation or the, the majority minority um, districts being eliminated and the minority vote being diluted, that we file an injunction as it relates to the districts. Um, filing briefs, if there are other lawsuits that are pending and supporting them. But most importantly, ensuring that if there is litigation against unconstitutional laws, it is very well settled in the state of Florida that the state attorney, I mean, the attorney general has a duty to not back unconstitutional law. So those are all, you know, including a legislative agenda, um, prosecuting and filing lawsuits. That's all within the purview of the attorney general. So how did your time as a state attorney in Orange Osceola, which is the Orlando area, how did that shape you and prepare you for this run and for this office? <laughs> Um, it's everything, you know, it's, it's important to understand that this is not a place you land, you know, this is, this is based upon a high level of experience and understanding because you've heard the voice of the people. So as state attorney, I understand the constitution, um, and how it has been attacked. I understand the voice of the people. I understand most importantly, Melba, I understand what it means to be attacked by those who relish in injustice because seeking injustice protects their power. It protects the status quo. So when those, those, those um, forces are coming against you, you have to know how to stand, how to stand boldly and never ever waver when you are representing the rights and the, and the constitutional um, establishment of the people. You, you cannot, you cannot, and I have not. So I would say my knowledge, my ability, I've also managed, you know, $30 million budget. I've, I've managed large, um, you know, staff, and I, I understand how to build a team across the state that we can hit the ground running on day one um, and being taken seriously. So it is that experience that I have substantively in the office, but also externally facing injustice and taking it on. So that's serious, right? So pivoting now to the campaign trail, you know, kind of walk us through what's next. You are, uh, there's a primary coming up because you have another, there's another Democratic candidate that's also in the race as well. And then November. So just sort of walk us through what to expect between now and then. And how can people get engaged if they want to learn more about you, support your campaign or volunteer or anything along those lines? Absolutely. So there are um, two important dates. The first one is um, August 20. Third, that is the primary election. That is where the Democrats will um, determine who their uh, nominee is to go on to win the, the um, general election, which is November the 8th. And so between now and the 25th, you're going to see me in a city near you, in a county near you. We have already... Um, visited just in the two months since my launch, we have been to, as of sat this upcoming Saturday, 12 of the 69 counties across the state. Um, every single one of the um, counties that tend to vote Democratic, um, we've been to each one of those. So you will see me in those um, major spots. And between um, August and November, you will see me hitting as many of the, what are known as the red zones, because we have to increase the electorate 
um, in order to win this race. So finding those pockets that we saw uh, red turn pink in 2018, identifying the uh, those who are formerly incarcerated. Um, remember 2018, we've been able to identify 192,000 who have now registered to vote and are prepared to vote in this election. So identifying those, um, catering to the new people who are um, relocating here every single day to the state of Florida and wanting to see a level of justice that works for everyone. So you'll see me around. You can definitely, um, if there are events, send them to our, our campaign, you know, um, be, being where we need to be. It's, it's, it's extremely important to meet people because I'm a firm believer that voters and people are not stupid. And when they can look you in your eyes, when they can talk, connect and feel you, then guess what? They understand whether they can believe you and trust you or whether they cannot. So I am making myself available across the state so that people can see who I authentically am and they can meet their next attorney general. But you also can follow us on Twitter at Aramis Ayala FL. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. You can visit our website at aramisayala.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Y'all already got your homework cut out for you. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, listen, I, I am transparent about what's what. Aramis is my friend. So, <laughs> of course, I'm back my friend, right? That, that's just the reality. However, I encourage everyone to do their research. Okay. So, she's giving you her website. Hit Google, learn more about her, learn more about who else is in the race, and make your own decision. I'll tell you what my decision is, right? Because no, but let's be fair. Let's be fair to you, though. This is my decision because it's my friend. You are, you are, yes, I consider you friend. And it's been years in this. But Melba, our relationship started on our understanding of justice, on our understanding of prosecution. Um, when I knew you, I knew your work. You knew my work. And we bonded heart to heart because of the authenticity behind our work. So, yes, you are there. But I'm never going to let anyone undercut you and your value to um, minimizing us as just friends. We are professionally connected, built up into being friends. And I appreciate you, your work. Um, and I adore you. So thank you. No, I, and you're absolutely right. And I think I probably need to clarify that a little bit more because I don't just call everybody friends. <laughs> Let me back that up for a second, right? Because if somebody is not about the right thing, if somebody is more about power and title and, and money or whatever, that's not the kind of people I vibe with, right? I'll be polite to you, but like, you're not going to see the inside of my house, right? You're not going <laughs> to not like that because I'm, I'm very particular about the kind of people I associate with and their mindset and their morals, because of course that rubs off on you. Right. I mean, that's just the basic lessons you learn as a child. Right. Yeah. So when I come out publicly and say so-and-so is my friend and I support them, like th th there's a vetting process and it's not, I'm not going to stand up and attach my name just to anybody just because. Because I don't, I don't think that that's in the best interest of justice. I don't think that's in the best interest of the community. And it certainly is not in my best interest to attach myself to somebody whose morals and values are not compatible to my own. So that, that wasn't shade, Mel, but you are all of that. I was just saying that, like, I, I wanted to be clear. This is not a favor you're doing for a friend. Right, right. Your movement and what you do. Um, and you mean so much more than just one area um, of justice. <laughs> so with that everybody check out aramis's website say it one more time for the people it's aramisayala.com it's a-r-a-m-i-s-a-y-a-l-a.com you can also follow me on twitter at aramis 
Ayala FL for Florida and um, on Facebook as well as Instagram. And remember, guys, this is a, uh, a lot we have to do. We have to raise some money to be competitive, get the word out. So whatever you can uh, contribute to the campaign, I would be grateful as well. Awesome sauce. Aramis, thank you so much for coming on Mondays with Melba. Um, folks, everybody who's watching, I will drop the website in the comments so that you'll have the opportunity to learn more about her, do your research. But whatever you do, make sure to turn out to vote. If you are a Democrat, you can vote in the Democratic primary. If you are a Republican or no party affiliate, you will not be able to vote in the primary, but you can vote in the general. So definitely, you know, keep, keep your eyes open, stay engaged. If you have the opportunity to come out to an event, please do so. But, you know, at the end of the day, we got to stay engaged because voting matters, your voice matters, our democracy matters. So with that, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Stay engaged and take good care. And we'll see y'all soon. I just saw Harold. Can I just say, hey, Harold? All right, of thank course you, you can. Hey, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you soon. Thank you so much.